It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Listening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow Sure it's Christmas Once more well, Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you today. And can we welcome our online campus, our Appleton campus, Germantown campus. Just welcome everybody. So wherever you are today in the great state of Wisconsin, as Nate would say, uh, we're glad that you are with us today. And man, I, I hope you're having a good time. I mean, I'm telling you, I, this is the most wonderful time of the year. And with the weather today, this is awesome. Take it for, I'm all about global warming. I'm just going to tell you people, because it's going to make Wisconsin like this, this, you know, this, like, I mean, our property value is just going to go through the roof, right? And so I'm just kind of teasing, but uh, not really. So um, today we're, we're continuing our series on Christmas traditions. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to get there in just a minute, Matthew chapter 2. And last week we began with Advent, and uh, Alan did a great job just explaining that. And today we're going to talk about the Christmas tradition of gifts. Is it any surprise to you that I get to talk about gifts? I love gifts. Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, surprise gifts, just gifts to give. I love gifts. I, I, my birthday's at the end of the month, if you didn't know that. December 31st, I was a tax write-off. No joke, 10.52 p.m. That was when I was born, 1971. And, um, and so, um, yeah, so, so I'm all about that. So did I tell you it was my birthday? In the month. <laughs> Christmas gifts, all kinds of gifts. I love, I love gifts. And, and I've always loved gifts. And I've always loved trying to figure out what the gift is. I don't know if you were that kid or not, but I was that kid. Like, I was trying to figure out what was happening, what we are getting, you know, what was going on. I was always trying to help the narrative, help the story, help my parents understand that I needed an Atari 2600, that I was the only one that didn't have one, until ColecoVision came out with Donkey Kong. Anybody? Holla. All right, and that's what I needed, you know. And so, I mean, that was, I mean, just, I, that's it. And, and so I just, I love, and, and my mother-in-law, she knows I love gifts, but my mother-in-law, and I hope she's watching, her name is Dixie. Is that not a southern name or what? Dixie. So anyhow, so, uh, so she, she loves to like kind of complicate that gift receiving on my end. And so she is known to be the kind of gift giver that will like put a different item in a different box. So you open it like, wow. And then you get in this like, it's hand towels. But it, like, the, it was like a TV box, right? Like a flat screen t television, but it's just like, it's a sweater. Thank you, Dixie. And so anyhow, so it's one of those deals. And so a few years ago, she did this deal. I mean, I don't know how much time she spent, but it was like this big box. It was for Tammy and I. And we're supposed to sit there and we're opening the, opening the box. And I mean, she used probably 16 rolls of duct tape and, and packing tape. I mean, it was just, and it was so, and you can shake it and she'll put rice in there. She'll put rocks. And so it doesn't, you can't figure out what it is. It drives me nuts. And so anyhow, so I'm, I'm trying to, so we open the one box and there's another box. 
Great. Then there's another box. Great. Sure do love you, mother-in-law. Great. You know, right? Just kind of going all the way. But in every one, there was like an item. And they were always green. It was like green socks. It was a green towel. It was green mouthwash. I'm, I'm like, whatever. And so the whole thing was green. It was a green gift and the whole thing. And I'm trying to figure out what is going on until we get to the very last little box. I'm telling you, like 25 minutes later. No joke. And it's a gift card. And it's green because it's money. And so it's like, hi, oh, isn't that funny? I'm like, yeah, that's great, you know. And thank you for the gift card. But anyhow, right? So I, I, even that, I love gifts, love giving gifts. And the, the tradition of gift giving at Christmas time came from this passage that we're going to look at today. These three wise men, these three magi that come and present their gifts to Jesus. But there's more to the story than what you just kind of read and, and, and realize. And so uh, hopefully today, even if you've been in church all of your life, that I'm going to show you not something that's not been there, it's there all along, but will be a nuance or a new insight that will kind of bring some of this to life. And, and I think it will. So Matthew chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, you, it'll be on the screen for you. But if you do, you can read along with me. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now skip on down to verse number 9. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and, and the star that they had seen, and when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. We see here that the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas is traced directly to this story. But I want you to understand something today. I want to make one statement. This is the whole like thesis. This is the whole synopsis. This is the whole subject line of what we're talking about today. And that, that's this, that giving is more important than the gift. The giving, how you give, the spirit in which you give, why you give, the motive is way more important than the gift. Giving is always more important than the gift. Now, we live in a context in a world where we inverse that. We basically say, no, 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 no. It's about the gift. The gift's got to be proper. It's got to be appropriate, you know, because if I'm going to give you a gift, you're probably going to give me a gift back. And so, you know, that's kind of, we kind of do that. Or, you know, I know Uncle Joe likes this, or crazy, crazy cousin Eddie likes this, or doesn't like that, or here's what, we don't ever do this, or we do, it, it's all about this. And sometimes we give gifts because we want to make a statement about ourselves that we're doing good. Sometimes we want to give, if we're really honest, sometimes we're giving gifts to our children because we want to make a statement to other families in the neighborhood or other kids that they live around with what's going on. Um, that's why sometimes there's an undue pressure to have to perform at a certain level because all the other kids have and all the other kids are getting. And, right? and if all the other kids went and jumped off the side of a cliff, would you do it too? It's the same th thinking, but we put this on ourselves. And, and sometimes it makes the most wonderful time of the year the most pressure-filled, stress-filled time of the year. And the reality is, is that the gift is not the essence. It's the giving. And in Scripture, 
God's never concerned about the gift. He's concerned about the giving. He's never concerned about the amount. See, if he was, then some, then some rich fat cat could just write a big fat nasty check and get his way into heaven and into God's heart. And, and if it was that way, then someone who was impoverished would have no ability to be able to, 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 to please God. But the reality is it's never been about the amount. We see this all throughout Scripture. It's not about that. It's about my gift of giving. It's about the attitude from which I'm coming from. And, and, and the generosity, I want you to notice, of these wise men. They were moving from modern-day Iran to Bethlehem. About 900 miles that they were going to be on a track. So that would be like you or I going from Wisconsin to Denver, Colorado. Going from Wisconsin to Boston, Massachusetts. Going from Wisconsin to New Orleans. On foot. It's a big deal. And some of you go, well, yeah, I saw a Christmas card and they were on a camel. Well, great, ride a camel for 900 miles, right? This is not a jetliner or a nice vehicle. This is an arduous journey. This is not something that you take lightly. There is a sacrifice. There is something more than just the gift that's being given. It's the giving that's important. And I'm going to show you this. I want you to look... And I'm going to explore more of this uh, on Christmas Eve. And I hope that you're going to be here for Christmas Eve. We've got three different services, uh, all identical. They're there for you, for your family. Uh, we're ticketing the services just so that you have the ability to be able to make sure that we can facilitate and minister to you and to your family. And so they're free and all of that. But it just helps us with the, with the planning and the number of chairs and everything that we've got to have. But we'll talk a little bit more about this that Christmas Eve. And I hope you'll be with us. But I want you to look at how these wise men gave. Real simple. It's right here in the passage. First, they gave with joy. They gave with joy. Verse 10 says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. That word overjoyed in the original Greek is, is what we would call a compounding joy. It would be like a word picture would be like waves that are crashing against the, the, the side of, of, of a shoreline. That when one begins to subside, there's another one. And then there's another one. And there's another one. There's, there's, it, there is no ceasing to the joy. It just is overflowing. It's enormous. It's huge. It's all-encompassing. It, it's, it's, it's this overarching joy. That's how they gave. They were overjoyed as they gave. Have you ever got, gotten a gift from somebody? And it's like by the time they give you the gift and they tell you what all they had to do to get the gift, that you're like, man, you can have the gift back. Like, I don't even really want the gift. Like, look, man, I'm just going to tell you, like, I won't be eating for like six weeks because I got you this gift. I've been saving, use all my Kohl's cash. I've been doing everything right. I just, you know, and if you're living in the upper Midwest, you have to say, well, I got a really good deal on it now, right? right? We don't want to spend too much. But let's just, I hear, here's the gift, and, and, and here's what it is. I hope you like it. I hope you like it. You know, um, if you don't, there's a gift receipt in there, but I'm sure you won't take it back. Because you, you know what I did to get you that gift, you know, that I had to do, the sacrifice, how much overtime I worked. You, you do get this for this gift. Hope you like this gift. By the time you're done with it, you're just like, hey, man, it sounds like you need this gift more than I need this gift. Like, you just take the gift back. Sometimes during this time of the year, I look at people and go, how overjoyed are people? And I know if you work in retail, God bless you. Right? 
you know, God bless you is like Christian for you poor idiot, right? I mean, that, right? You know, it's just like, oh, God bless her heart. Like, oh. But work, it's rough. And it's rough because everybody's kind of just, I mean, I was, at, I was out the other day, and it was like the person behind the counter, I just wanted to stop for a minute and just kind of like go, hey, are you okay? Like, really, like, are you okay? I mean, are you upset? Are you mad? Are you constipated? I can't tell. But you just don't look like, and, and this person is always, it's, it's a business that I frequent, and they always look this way. They never listen to anything you're saying. Like, I don't need a receipt. Here's your receipt. <laughs> I feel like Jerry Seinfeld, like the soup Nazi, right? It's just like, hey, 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 I am, I'm here. I'm a customer. I, I'm, not, I'm not being mean. I'm just, it, you know, and you just kind of, it, it, and you just look, and sometimes, and what happens is the reason why we lose the joy during this time of the year, because we make it about the gift and not about the giving. We make it about what we're doing. And really, when we make it about the gift and not about the giving, it becomes about us and not about the person that's getting the gift. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. It's true. And these wise men, they gave with great joy. They were overjoyed. They gave with worship. They gave with worship. Verse 11 says, And on coming to the house, they saw the child, speaking of Jesus, with his mother, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Joseph. They didn't worship each other. They didn't worship the place. They didn't worship the house. They didn't worship the geographical location. They worshiped him. Why is this so important? Because when you're going to give, giving is not about the gift. It's about the giving. Giving is about worship. Giving is worship. And these wise men saw their giving as worship. Why? Because here's something you have to understand. They were not Christ followers. They were not God followers when they came to Jesus. They were when they got into his presence. Most translations translate that wise men as magi, which is where we get our root word for magic. So these men were somewhere between astrologers and astronomers. And so they believed that the constellation of the stars would not only be able to help them scientifically, but could also help them on this journey of what is truth and what is life and where does this world come from and how does it exist. But they were also very wise, learned men, and they understood that there were prophets of old, of the nation of Israel, that said that there would be one who would be born and he would be the Messiah and that the government would set up on his shoulders and they would call him Emmanuel. He would be God with humanity. And so they knew this and they understood this and all of a sudden they began to hear he is being born. This Messiah is coming. This Messiah is here. And with all of their knowledge and even with all of their magic and with all of their, they were truly seekers looking for the truth, looking for who was God, looking to see if Jesus really was the Messiah, if this was the Christ child. They had looked to the stars. They had looked to science. They had looked to everything that they had within their power to want to find out, is he really who he says he is? Is he really who Isaiah said that he, that, 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 that he was? Is he really who the prophet said that he was? Is he really the Messiah? So when they encounter Jesus, they worship him. Why? Because for the first time in their life, the lights come on and they realize this is the son of God. This is the one that they spoke about. This is the one that was spoken about in the book of Genesis and the first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. This is the one. This is the cornerstone. This is his land that will be slain for the foundation of the world. This will be the one 
who will take on the sins of humanity, and they worshiped him. See, we just look at it like it's just some guys with some big robes and some crazy hats going on with some gold and some frankincense and some myrrh, whatever that is, and they're giving this to him, and this is all part of the story. No, these are seekers. These are people who are looking for answers to life. And they've looked to the stars and they've looked to science and they've looked to all the knowledge of man. But nothing can complete the circle. They can't quite close the loop until they're standing in the very presence of the one who spoke the stars into existence, who spoke the galaxies into existence, who spoke life into a void of darkness, according to Genesis. And in that moment, there was something, that power that raised Christ from the dead, that dwelt in us as Christ followers, hits their hearts and hits their spirits, and they realize this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the King. And they worshiped him. See, the ideology behind worship as giving and giving as worship is a very natural response. For God so loved you and I that he gave. Gave what? His one and only son. That's God's response. Think about it in our response. Even throughout history, giving to God has always been viewed as an act of worship. What we see here with these, with these wise men, it's all part of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says to the church in Corinth, Every man, according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. In the Old Testament, uh, the tithe was established as an act of worship according to the law. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, for it is holy unto the Lord. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The storehouse in the Old Testament would have been the synagogue, and the New Testament would have been the local church. We don't do this as a requirement. We do it as an act of worship. Tithing has never been an act of requirement. What we do at the end of the service with these envelopes, this is not a requirement to turn on the bill, to turn on, to pay the bills of the church. This isn't just something that we got to do. Look, if that's all this is, I'm just going to help all of us. Let's just close this sucker down. Let's go and have some biscuits and gravy at, at, at Cracker Barrel because I am hungry right now. And let's just go because this like a country club dues. Who cares? No, 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 no. That's not what it is. Again, it's never about my amount. It's about my attitude. It's about my giving. It is an act of worship. When I put that offering or that tithe into that offering bucket when it goes by, why do we pray? So you have longer time to write in the amount? No. Because it's worship unto God. It's funny to me. These wise men who are not Christ followers until they are in the presence of Jesus get this. And sometimes we who have been in the church all of our lives forget this, that giving is worship, that it's a way that I express my worship. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about my time. I'm talking about my talent. I'm talking about who I am. I give all that I have to God, not just for the sweet by and by, but for the here and now. And if you're here at Life Church, and man, you're a regular attender, and, and you're really struggling with this thing called tithing, I challenge you 
to take God at his word. Not because I say it, but because his word says it. The only place in scripture where God says to test him is in the area of tithing. And he says, test me in this. Try me in this. Malachi 3.10, I just read it for you. And see if I won't do, and there's three things. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you so great you don't have room enough to contain it. Verse 11 says that he will bless the work of your hands. And verse 12 says he'll bless you in such a way it will be a witness and testimony of him. So I tell people all the time, this is not about the amount. It's not about the money. God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. Listen, I'm just going to tell you this. If we can't pay our bills, we don't need to be here. If there's not enough that comes in the plate to be able to take care of things, we're done. It's been a great ride. It's been a great trip. Peace out, Girl Scout. I'll see you in heaven. I, this is not about me. This is not about buildings and stained glass. God help us all. This is not about any of this. This is about reaching a lost and dying world for Jesus. This is about lifting high the name of Jesus. And so I challenge people, take 90 days and put God's, te- put God's word to the test and see if he'll do it. And if he doesn't do it, then all you got to do is say, hey, man, just write it on the tithing envelope. I'm going to start 90-day challenge. For the next 90 days, I'm going to tithe. If it doesn't work, then just let the, you don't even let me know. Let the business office know. Just call the church, say, I need to speak to the business office people. And they'll get you in touch with the business office people. Business office people say, what's going on? And you always say, look, man, I did a nine-day challenge. Like Pastor Aaron says, Pastor Aaron's a liar. And the Bible's a liar. I don't really want that. And so I want my money back. No problem. Where do we send the check to? I had a business guy say to me one time, tell me how we need to do things and what was wrong with me, what was wrong with the church. He'd been attending here for about six months. I looked at him, I said, do you want a refund? I'm speaking very fast for a southerner, and I know it's hard for you to understand. <laughs> Do you want a refund? And he looked at me. I said, look, we don't need your money. That's not what this is about. You've got this all wrong. Man, I've gone to this college, and I've been in church. And I'm, I, I get it. I, I really, let's, let's don't get into a spitting contest over this. This is about worship. God gave his one and only son. And he wants me to trust him. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks in my heart to give, whether it's to a person on the street, whether it's to a missionary that I come across, or whether it's to the local church, I give. I don't ask questions. That's what, the, that's what these wise men were doing. They began to worship him with their giving. They worshiped him with the journey. They worshiped him. And the last thing they did is that they gave with abundance. They gave with abundance. Verse 11 says that they opened their treasures and then they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Just think about that phrase for a second. And I'm not taking an extra special offering today, so don't think I'm going there with this. They opened their treasure. When was the last time and your life. And forget about money. Look, if, if we were, if, look, if we, if the commodity in which we traded, you got paid at your job was in Skittles, we'd be talking about Skittles, all right? It just, it's, it just is money because it's just, that's just what it is in America. It's dollars and cents, right? When was the last time that you just said, God, here is my treasure? Not just your money, but this is from what I have, from my influence, from my affluence. From my ability, from my inability, from what I've saved and from what I've squirreled away and nest egged and all. This, from my treasure. That's what they did. 
That's not something you do every day. That's not something you do every week. That's not anything I'm even asking you to do today. I just want you to understand, these men were not just giving something. They were giving from their treasure. They were giving their best. God just didn't give something to save us. He gave his one and his only son. That's why unapologetically I can stand here and preach this message that I'm preaching. Because first of all, it's not my words, it's God's words. But secondly, this is how God gives to us. And this is the, how we see this in scripture. Is that this giving with abundance. Scholars say that these gifts were foreshadow. If you're a literary buff, they were literary foreshadowing. They were a predictor and they were a confirmation of who he was. The gold would have signified him being a king and would have been a fitting gift for a king. The frankincense would have been a fitting gift for the priest and would have echoed what the author of the book of Hebrews would have said, that he is our great high priest. And the myrrh was an embalming that was used that would have foreshadowed the death, the burial, and the resurrection. All there that day. See, we've been given much. We should respond in the exact same manner that these men did. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, Paul says to the church in Corinth, you will be made rich in every occasion. Why? So glad you asked that question. So that you can be generous on every occasion. You've been blessed to be a blessing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says, Command those who are rich in this present world. And you look at any, you look at any secular diagnostic of what you make in comparison to the rest of the world. And you are the richest people on the planet. That's why everybody wants to come to America. Command those who are rich in this present world to do good and to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Give with abundance. See, I want to go back to this. Giving is more than a gift. It's about giving. And when we give, whether it's unto the Lord or to one another or as God directs our hearts, we should always give with joy. If you cannot give with joy, do not give. If you, Paul said, I read it to you earlier, do not give begrudgingly. Do not give under pressure. Are you saying what I think you're saying here? Let's rewind the tape on that one. You're saying do not give if I feel like, yes, you should never give under pressure to the church or to anyone. You should never give out of just this, this, this need. This, this, you give out of joy. You give out of a leading. You give out of this is what I, I'm supposed to do. The Holy Spirit begins to speak in my heart. I don't give just because I get a letter in the mail from somebody. I don't give because somebody has a need. There's a lot of needs. And there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus, not Aaron. I'm not called to meet the needs of humanity. Thank God. I'd be miserable, horrible at that. Neither are you. 
Sometimes we guilt ourselves like, i got to meet every need in the world. You don't have to meet every need in the world. You meet the need. You meet the things that God puts on your heart, the people that he puts across your path, the student that you see that's struggling that you want to help with their tuition or, 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 or the, 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 the single parent who's trying to make ends meet or, or the person that's just struggling to kind of get to that next level or, or maybe it's someone that's elderly that they don't need any money. They just need you to go shovel their drive. And it's a whole lot easier to write the check than it is just to go spend the time. But that's what you're supposed to do is just to spend that time. To be rich in deeds. To be rich in giving. To be rich in generosity is what Paul says. It's what Timothy says. It's to be rich in those things. To to be full of those things. And so we are to do that joyfully. We're to do that. We're to do that worshipfully. As I give just to my fellow man, as I do that, I don't do it in my name. I do it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because when I do it to the least of these, I've done it unto him, the Bible says. I heard Charles Stanley the other day. I was, I was traveling somewhere, and I was listening to the radio, and I typically don't do this, but I was listening, and he came across, and he was talking about this, and he said, you cannot take it with you, talking about stuff. I agree with that. He said, but you can send it ahead. And he began to exegete the book of Revelation as it pertains to the reward that we will have in heaven. And I thought, I have never seen it from that perspective before. And I'm telling you, I will preach that message like it's mine. I, it won't even, I, Charles' name won't even be anywhere in that one. And then I will take a big offering. But I'm just saying, like, because he talked about how that, you know, there are some people that live their entire life for the kingdom of God. And then there are some people that just get in right on the skin of their teeth at the end. And they both are going to go to heaven, but their reward will be different. I thought, that's good. Because what I do here today counts. How I respond counts. That's why it's so important that I raise my children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So that they live their lives. So that they don't just have a year to give to Jesus when they get to heaven and they lay at the feet. But they've got a lifetime on this planet that they have sent it ahead. That they've done good reward. Because the Bible says what we've done on this earth will, 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 will come together and, and, and a reward. And then it will all be tried by fire. And all the wood, the hay, and the stubble. All the things that we did that were about me and that were about self and that were all about me. That had nothing to do with really what God wanted me to do or how God wanted me to do it. And that were all motivated by selfish motives and selfish ambition and ego. And all of those things that corrupt will all be burned up. And only those things that are pure will last. And that will be my reward. I give with my abundance. I give and I worship joyfully with abundance. So I want to close this message today with sharing with you the the greatest uh, gift that I'm going to give this year. It's maybe a little braggadocious. I don't mean for it to be, but it's just the reality. And so... As many of you know, who attend Life Church regularly, I was gone last weekend and getting to represent you around the world, which is one of my honors and privileges. And uh, I went to a, um, I went to like four different countries and like we had a 20 some odd hour trip over and a 20 some odd hour trip. I think it was shorter going one way, but that, I can't remember. It's always longer one way and shorter the other. And, uh. But I'm in country, in these four different countries. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, so I go to Cambodia, and I've never been to Cambodia. And uh, take an early morning flight, uh, get into Cambodia, meet the missionary 
uh, and uh, we are instructed that um, we're immediately going to be going uh, in a, uh, uh, to what's called a floating village. Uh, after the genocide that took place a few decades ago in the country of Cambodia, uh, people were just basically left to fend for themselves. And so the, the poor of the poor had no place to live. And the government basically said you could live wherever you were living. Well, most of those people had no place to live. And so they could not own land. So they had to basically have shanties and houses, if you would. Not really houses, but more like shacks that they had made into barges and into basically a floating village. And so you're going to see a picture on the screen that we're in this boat and, and we're going down and you can just see the clarity of the water. It looks like a great Wisconsin lake. Not. It's nasty. I was looking for anacondas and water moccasins and everything else coming out of that. And there are these houses. Look at the next picture. You'll see the next picture. And there's just these houses and they're just these, there's thousands of people who live in this abject poverty that make their living basically trying to fish and do what they can do to get through one day through another day to kind of get through there. And, and we're in this boat, and most of the people don't have a motorized boat. We're in a motorized boat and, and going down, and, and, and we're going to a school. And parents will send their kids to school because the reality is, is that the school will clothe them and feed them. And so you'll see this next picture where there is this, there's about four or five of these houses and uh, basically these buildings. And these are these children that are all coming in and, and these little wooden boats. It, they'd be the equivalent of what we would call, what I, in Arkansas I grew up, we call them John boats. They're just those little bitty aluminum boats, a little fishing boat. You can put a trolling motor, about a 20 horsepower <laughs> maybe uh, motor on the back end of it that you can pick up for less than a thousand bucks at Cabela's. And, and, but these are these little wooden boats and that they've made. And, and they are these children the, the, these kids, you, you, and, they're, and they're all coming. You'll see the next picture. There's, this is how they come in. And so it's, this is like two older brothers and, and the younger brother. And, and there's no life preservers. There's no anything. They're just there in this water that, where they defecate and they drink from and they live from. And they, this is their life. This is all they know. And so we were brought in that day because that day was Christmas Day. And this was a celebration of Christmas. It was going to be the last day they were going to be together before they were going to have a little bit of a break. And, and so you'll see this next picture. These children are all crowded into one of these little floating houses. This one of this, this classrooms right here. And, and, and then you'll see another picture, all these little sweet little faces. And, I, and, 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 and what was going to happen is, is that the gospel was being presented. The Christmas story is being presented. And, um, and so, so th with that, these children were going to be in there. They were going to hear that. And you've got to understand, this is a, basically a Buddhist country at best. And so then you had, uh, and all the kids were also going to get, get, have a meal. They eat every, eat, eat every day they come together. But, but this day, they were gonna, it was going to be a little special. So you'll see this next picture. It's a little girl. She wouldn't look at me. And she just had her head down. And she had her bowl there. And they bring their own bowls. They, they bring their own bowls with them, they, and they're all different. And, and then, but, but then the next slide you'll see is they got some rice, and under that little hand is some hot sauce. So they must be kin to Kevin Miller somewhere. I think they have some Franks, but it's because of the spiciness of the food. And a piece of chicken. And the missionary said this will be the only piece of, like, chicken that they're going to get probably for the entire year. Um, this is a delicacy for them. This is a special thing for them, and that they're going to do that. And then after that, the children lined up. For Christmas gifts. And I'm just telling you, when I'm in this position, this is like, I just want to get, I want to get 
below the surface that's how humbled I am at that moment. And they said, we want you, it was me and some other pastor friends and some leaders from all over the U.S., there was about six of us, and we want you to give these Christmas gifts to these kids. Because it's your churches that have supported this and given this. So I was your representative. And you would have thought, like, what these kids were going to be getting were like hovercraft, like the hoverboards and designer jeans and all of this. So I asked the missionary, I said, I know this is going to sound really, really, really crazy, but I want to buy one of those. I, I, I don't want to take anything from a child. So if you have none, that's okay. He goes, no, no, I've, I've got a few extra. I said, I'll give you 100 U.S. dollars. I don't care what it is. I, 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 I want people, because I talk about this, but I want people to see this. And not because it's bad, but it just gives you a context. That it's not about the gift, it's about the giving. And so there was a boy gift and there was a girl gift. So I got the girl gift. It's a little plastic bag like this. And these kids were as giddy as they could be. And I asked the missionary, I said, did they get anything? And they go, no, never. If this is their first year in the school, this is the first time they've ever received a gift in their life. And he said, and if they are in the school, they've had this before, and that's why they're so excited. So there were three little plastic dolls. You can just see this cost about three U.S. dollars max. There's bubbles right there, little right there for a little girl. And then there's a little purse. Every girl needs a little purse, even ones that don't have indoor plumbing. And it's a little cooking set. We would call that a crawdad in Arkansas, but I don't know what that is, crawfish or something. And that's what they got. And it's in that moment when you realize it's not about the gift, it's about the giving. Because every time I'm in this situation, there's two things that go through my mind. One is, I wish all of you could be there with me. Because there will be a day that you'll understand all this. There'll be a day that all the dots will connect. There'll be a day when this world will be over. And only what's done for Christ will last. And you and I will stand before the throne of Jesus. And it won't be big me and little you. No, you're the saints of the church. You need to understand that. Paul writes and says that it's my responsibility as the pastor to equip you, the saints of the church, to do the work of the ministry. My job, my calling is not higher or greater than yours. My calling is to serve you. My, serve, my calling is to lead you by serving you. By reminding you of what God's word says. By shepherding and, and giving vision and, as the Holy Spirit. And on that day, we'll stand before the Lord and it will, we'll stand shoulder to shoulder and we'll be hand in hand. And Life Church, I'm just going to tell you, great will be your reward. Because when I see those little faces, I see my kids. And it's in that moment that I realize it's not about stuff. It's not about a missions offering. It's about when I, with a spirit of generosity, 
serve one of the least of these, I'm serving Jesus. And that's what the story of Christmas is all about. God wants to get through the calluses of our heart to help us to understand it's not about the gift. It's about the giving. It's not about the amount. It's about the giving. Because as those children got on those boats and we were there as they began to leave and one of the guys had been there before and said, you have to see this, Aaron. These little kids are going to get on these boats without life preservers and they're going to be able to make their way out. And there were these, I, I watched and, you know, Ryan Coggins, our executive pastor, Ryan and Amanda, their three oldest, Ben and May and Eli, there, were, there was a, there was a little, there was a sister and two little brothers, all about their size, all about their age. And I'm watching as she gets a, a, her littlest brother, uh, like the size of Eli, the age of Eli, onto the, the center of that boat with no preserver. And then, and then, and then a little brother like Ben kind of jumps on, and then she's paddling, and she's going to go. And I asked the missionary, and he said, she'll, she'll go. It'll be probably about an hour for her to get downstream or upstream to get back to their home to do this. And she'll make sure that they're there because she knows that if they come here, they're going to be fed and that they're going to be clothed. And it just blew my mind because we, I mean, I don't even let my teenage kids out on a lake without a life preserver. Much less little kids. And it was just in that moment where it's just, this is what it's all about. And when I looked on their faces, sheer bliss. What would your daughter do if this is what you gave them for Christmas? Don't even answer that question. These kids were ecstatic. Because they don't know of a land of video games and designer jeans. They don't know of a world of, of this and that. All they know is that there are some people that love them and that care for them. And they attribute that to a man named Jesus who's the son of the God that they believe that's there and that if they will but confess him and believe in him that they won't perish but that they'll have everlasting life. And that's the story of Christmas. And my prayer is, is that we never forget that. My prayer is, is that over these next 10 plus days that we have coming into Christmas, that we think about that. Not just about those children, but we think about how we give and why we give and what we give. And even as we bring our offering today, that we do that with an attitude of gratitude, of joy, and of abundance. Not because God needs it, because he doesn't. But because that's our response. That's the story of Christmas. It's all about the giving not about the gift.